Welcome to the Bat Jazz Show, brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. I am Jason Smith, and I'm joined as always by Paul Ray. How you doing, Paul? Oh, you know, just uh, just drowning my sorrows after uh, some some switchbacks losses and some N- not some just not, soccer unhappiness. Not the not the happy drowning the sorrows in like a bar, but like drowning it in a bathtub, you know. <laughs> well, like, well shh, yeah. Shh, just just shh, it's almost over. Shh. Standing above the bathtub with a toaster. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So it's it's been it's been a couple of weeks since you and I have talked. We've kind of gone from our bi-weekly uh, chats to um, we've had some like like like, like you know you and I hashtag apartment life. Like my air conditioner died, and we had like insurance inspections, and I think you mentioned some plumbing issues in your place, yep, and they yep. tore your office apart. So we apologize uh, that you've missed our uh, our sadness over the happenings of the switchbacks since we last spoke to the dozens and dozens of you um the switchbacks have uh, played three games and uh, we'll, we'll briefly go over each of those games um first of all we we uh after we beat fresno which is a good team week 13 um beat them one to nothing uh, we came up with with what could have been the turnaround game or the yeah this season's gonna suck game where we played the Tacoma Defiance. Are they Defiance or Defiant? Defiance. Defiance. Okay. So, um, who are currently sitting uh, right underneath us on the ladder. So, uh, we're not getting all the trickle down of that. And um, that could have been, that, that That was a game we're kind of going into it where, where, at least my feelings were, if we lost that game, that was pretty much done. That was a game we should have won. And, uh, Hallelujah, we did. We we won it. Almost the first goal was almost like an accidental goal. Um, <laughs> Jordan Burt uh, just happened to be in front of the keeper when when the keeper uh, decided to play it out and ricocheted off Jordy. And uh, even with that, it almost still didn't go in the goal. It spun and uh, he had to chase it down and tap it in just for good luck. But um, that was a game that uh, we, we put away. We had uh, Dorsey come in in the 67th minute, 16 years old, if I recall, uh, scored in the 71th minute in a uh, kind of a helter-skelter um, around the goal. And uh, finally, Ish Jome put, put, put one away in the 87th minute to make it a decisive 3-1 to one, uh, win yeah. over the oh, – I'm sorry, 3-0. So, Don't um, you give them a goal they didn't earn. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> I, I – I'm so used to the. I've already got my mind on the next game, <laughs> um, but we earned a three, the three nil victory and um, two straight wins. Uh, feeling pretty good. Uh, a lot of the angst and and table flipping and calls for firing that we were seeing on social media, where switchback fans congregated, kind of died down a little bit. Um, big takeaway, it, it could, it, it was basically the toilet bowl of the West. You know, there's the Super Bowl and then there's the <laughs> toilet bowl, the two worst teams played, and we are not worse than them. So, um, any thoughts before I move on to, uh, Rio Grande Valley? RGV Toros. The Toros. And historically, and I don't have stats up in front of me, but historically, um, 
the Valley has not been kind to the switchbacks. I don't think we've ever won a game there. Um, in fact, I remember lots of games that were kind of embarrassing that we've been there. Um, including, I think, the, the first year the, that RGV was around when a, a like like a toddler wandered on the field, took the ball away from one of the switchbacks, and like pointed at him lecturing. Um, I mean, yeah, the, the, playing playing against that team has not been a good place for us. Yeah, uh, historically we have we have lost six, won one, and uh, drawn one. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Um, <laughs> So we go in there, and it, it just uh, it was not a not a good game at all. Uh, we did win the, the possession battle, 52, uh, or 50, basically 53% to 47, but that didn't really seem to do much uh, in the terms of, of giving us opportunities. We went down, we were tied up nil-nil going into the half, and uh, all of a sudden it seemed like uh, the second half, the switchbacks remembered that they were in Texas, and the commentators kept mentioning the humidity, um, which I which I, I know can be a deal for a team that doesn't normally play in humidity. Um, but I mean, it's not like it's it's not like other places. It's not like the rest of the country doesn't have humidity. So, but um, regardless, uh, Cabrera scored in the 55th minute. Um, if I recall, there was a penalty kick in that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And uh, in the 85th minute, uh, Small, um, you're killing me, Smalls. He uh, scored another goal, and uh, in the end, we uh, lost to the uh, Toros 3-0. I think think the most frustrating thing about that is we we dominated possession in the first half, and we looked the more threatening team the entire Mm -hmm. first half. And then it looked like a different team came out of their locker room and the same team came out of our locker rooms that no adjustments had been made no planning had been made to to adjust to a renewed attack and uh yeah it just it was it was unpleasant to to be feeling positive in the first half like you know we, we could we could smash and grab win this we could knock one in and then and run away with it um to then just being absolutely hammered yeah I was so frustrated at the end of that game. I don't think I, I think after the final goal, I was like, nope, done. And I, I think I turned it off. Um, it was that bad. It, it was, there's just uh, no, no hope that we were going to, going to do anything. Even when we were down one to nothing, um, I, I just felt like the game was, was getting away from us. And it just, it just sucked. Um, I will go over the starting lineup in that because it mirrored the lineup that we had this past weekend uh, when we returned home to play against uh, our Four Corners Cup uh, and Rocky Mountain rivals Salt Lake City. But uh, we went in again with the 4-4-2, which we've been going with for, boy, I think since uh, the past seven or eight games. I think yeah, we've, we've yeah. pretty much permanently switched to this 4-4-2. Um, we had Jordan Burt and Mike Seth up top. Uh, in the mid, we had uh, Shane Malcolm, Jordan Schweitzer, Ronnie Argetta, and Saeed Robinson. The back line was Abraham uh, Yarrow and Joe on, on the uh, out on the wings, and Christopher Reeves and uh, Guadabaye. Oh, I, <laughs> I said it earlier. Like I like I looked at his name. I'm like Guadabaye, Guadabaye, Guadabaye. Um, <laughs> There, they were our center backs, and that with Andre Rawls in goal, and um, 
that was pretty much what we rolled with coming home to play uh, Salt Lake City, which was this weekend's past game. Uh, exact same starting lineup. Um, this was another game that, that I feel we really should have won, uh, could have won. Uh, Salt Lake City is not a good team either. They are kind of lingering with us at the bottom of the ladder. Um, and uh, we rolled in there with the... Came in with the 4-4-2, um, and honestly, I, I, it was a pretty, I don't want to say dull, but I mean, it seemed like we had our chances, but but uh, it seemed fairly even to me, at least, for the first half. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, I mean, it was, I think that even is the, is the best description. It, there was... No, like we we each team had a couple of good chances, mm-hmm. but uh, nobody could finish anything, and we just it, it just seemed sort of punch for punch uh, as far as possession and attacking. Um, not really anybody taking uh, too much impetus out of the first half. Um, it, it felt even enough that you know you were expecting that we could we could get a goal and, and win it um but also even enough to remember that we're the switchbacks and we can lose just about anything uh. <laughs> and, and and that's really kind of what what you expect i mean the teams we, we are we are evenly matched with them um they're 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 a team that has potential that doesn't seem to be really living up to it um you know right I mean, coming into the game they were at 15 points which was just one point ahead of us um so i mean it was uh it, it was understandable. It was going to be a, a game that we were going to have to fight, and and and, there, and, and Salt Lake City is always like that when they come in. I mean, um, did you have the the historical stats that we have with the Monarchs? Ah, uh, yeah. One second here. You know, when they when they come in, it's always a memorable game when they come into town. Um, you know, the first yeah. year we had we had the the the, the Snow Classico uh, with them. Um, you know, they're, they're, it's been, uh, you know, our first Open Cup. Uh, we, we beat them in the Open Cup in 2015. Uh, there, there's been, over the years, there's been some great matches between the two teams. And uh, we seem to play them a lot every year, although we don't play them twice this year. But uh, we've been fairly evenly matched, I would say. Yeah. We, we interestingly, though, we've, we've played 14 games against them in league play. Uh, we've only drawn once. Hmm. Uh, switchbacks have the edge. We have uh, eight wins to uh, SLC's five wins. Yeah, and and the first season, the the first three quarters of the of the season for Salt Lake City in 2015. I mean, they were a bad team. Oh, they, um, yeah, they, were. they were they were awful. But um, so yeah, it's definitely and and any any uh, altitude advantage is gone when they come to town because they play at altitude as well. So. Uh, nothing really surprising. Um, I know I know uh, former switchback Master Cashier had 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 a couple good shots that were kissed off the off the posts and. Uh, oh yeah. Who? Uh, I, I I almost felt bad for him almost. Um, at least up until the end of the game. Joy <laughs> <laughs> uh, began in the 55th minute when. Um, Mike Seth uh, got a got a pass and, and did something that 
that uh, actually impressed me because it looked kind of kind of uh, hinky when when I first looked at it. But he basically took took pass, one touch, turned and shot, um, which sounds like it, what a, a a forward should do. But um, his first touch on it was a little bit worse than than. A little bit not what he expected, and it rolled a little bit heavy away from him, but he still managed to recover and turn and shoot uh, on a pretty decent goal. Um, if I recall, that was off of a, a cross from uh, uh, Malcolm, wasn't it? I believe you are correct. I, I hope I'm correct. I'm sure I'll get angry texts from uh, <laughs> someone who may be listening. And um, so there we were, Mike Seth, uh, who's actually... Uh, I, I I think he's had a pretty decent uh, summer so far since June, um, or since the beginning of the month. I think he's had had a pretty decent uh, stretch of games. He's come really close to scoring several times, um, but I don't think any, any troubles can be placed on his shoulders. Uh, what, what do you th- how do you think he's doing? I I think he's almost there. I think almost. he's almost back to the form that he was in. Um, before we decided stupidly to let him go. Yeah. Um, I, I, you mentioned he, he almost scored a bunch of goals. Um, the, the Mike Seth of 2015, 2016 probably would have scored those. Even the, the ones that were awkward on his left foot. Um, I, I recall in, um, in a number of games where he, he got the ball at his feet in the box and his only option was to shoot with his left foot and he just skied it. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, the Mike Seth of old would have buried those. I think he would be, he would have five plus goals by now this point in the season. Yeah. And I think now he's at two. Yeah. Um, he's th- going the right direction. Uh, absolutely. I don't think he's quite there yet, but yeah. I think, I think he, he seems to finally be in the right headspace where, where that could be uh, a possibility of him yeah. making that kind of comeback. And, and there was a bit of the, one of the, the traits of Mike Seth in, in the first two seasons was uh, there's a, there's a ruthlessness about him. There was, there was an aggression um, where they, you just haven't seen, I think he lost a lot of confidence when he went down to Phoenix and got no time. It was cut mid season in 2000. Uh, 17 and then ended up in San Antonio where he played in limited capacity. So I think maybe he's getting some of that confidence back and hopefully it'll pay off here, here uh, before too long, hopefully. Um, so the game continued and um, I know much like uh, uh, Mark and I used to joke about the switchback 15, uh, that 15 minutes after the switchback score uh, where you sit and hold your breath because that seemed to be when they give up the, uh, uh, give up a, a goal right back to to the other team. Um, we seem to get past that, uh, and uh, except this one stretched out uh, about another 10 minutes past the 15 uh, when uh, 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 coffee. It was uh, coffee for um, Salt Lake City. Took a shot and uh, took a bad bounce off of Chris Reeves uh, and uh, left. Andre Rawls flat-footed in the 81st minute and, and bounced over his head into the goal. Um, pretty deflating. I, I, I hate to blame that on anybody because, you know, everyone did what they were supposed to do. But, man, that was just unlucky uh, as can be. Yeah, I mean, Reeves, Reeves hard done by to get that deflection off of him. 
Um, if if you could complain about anything, it would be that the man was not closed down fast enough pre- to prevent his shot or at least put his shot off a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, there, um, there was three three black jerseys around him, and they all no one seemed to to like go to rush in at him. Yeah, they just kind of that, stood there. Which which is not the like if you're if you think of the switchbacks as getting the goal and then parking the bus. If you're parking the bus, you you're you don't want them to have that many shots. You want to if you have ten men behind the ball, you can sacrifice one to close down the guy before he shoots. Yeah. Uh you can't you can't always depend on uh them taking, you know, high balls into the box and being able to get your, your big tall center backs to, to head them out. It just doesn't work that way. Yeah. I think the frustrating thing for me when that goal went in um, was it was the 81st minute, one one nil up. We had made no substitutions. Mm-hmm. Less than 10 minutes left of the game, we had made no substitutions. Um, and uh, one minute after that, we made our first substitution. Uh, I do not think that it is good coaching to be uh, – reactionary with your subs rather than proactive with your subs. Um, and you know, maybe it maybe I know this is kind of a stretch, but maybe it would have come down to if you had replaced somebody in the midfield or replaced somebody, um, that, you know, was having tired legs, not, not really on their, uh, at, at their best. Uh, maybe we would have had someone with the energy to close down that that player before he took his shot. Who knows? But yeah, yeah. frustrating to me that we we had the lead f- from the 55th to the 81st and no substitutions were made. Yeah, and uh, we were at a point in the season where we're, we're basically playing one game a week. You know, we're playing every Saturday, uh, with the exception of the Fourth of July game. So, uh, I mean, conditioning shouldn't be too much of an issue. Um, but you're you're right. I mean, it's it's uh, um, you know it was it was kind of a like for like uh, uh, doing uh, who just signed from uh, the Air Force Academy uh, came off for Seth uh, immediately. I I didn't see whether or not he was up and they were prepared to do that before the goal and that just happened to be the first stoppage or or afterwards. But uh, it kind of struck me too that. Um, That that uh, it struck me that, that, that this and this is not unusual for Trichu as well. I mean, we've had games where we've left subs, uh, you know, on the bench. I think we did in this one too. I think we only had two subs. Yeah, we only we only made two subs, which isn't isn't fair either to any of the you know academy players or anything like that who have come down to to get minutes, uh, and we had an opportunity to get them out there and we didn't. Yeah. So there there are there are different facets to this. Yeah, and. I'm not sure if if if, if it's a, an instance of Trichu not feeling very confident in in the guys on the bench or or what, or if he just felt like our conditioning uh, was superior to theirs. Uh, one thing I, I did notice, and, and I really can't blame it, Shane Malcolm still looks like he's getting his legs underneath him. Um, you know, he came back uh, a couple days before the Rio Grande game started, put in about 60 minutes worth of time, which which seems about you know, what you'd expect, but, um, 
you know, he's the one. The the foul that he committed at the end of the game uh, that led to the to the final goal. I mean, it it was kind of a you know, it kind of drug his feet into him. You know, I, I kind of wonder how much dead legs that did, did Shane Malcolm have and, and if uh, it wouldn't have been served better to have him play or have him come out, uh, you know, in in prior to that as well instead of finishing out the game. Uh, I mean, the dude racked up, what, 10,000 flight miles uh, playing for uh, for his playing uh, a World Cup qualifier uh, for Guam. Um just a couple of weeks ago, so I, I, I'm with you on there. The 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 uh, holding on to the subs seems to be a a, a weird thing, um, particularly when you look at the options that we had. Um, we left Rabin on the bench. We left Milano on the bench. We left Dorsey, who recently opened his account on the bench. Mm-hmm. We left Hundley on the bench. These are guys who could have well, Donsu. I made mean, an impact. Donsu came in in the 89th. They yeah. literally, literally gave him one minute to, to work. Yeah. Uh, absolute joke. Yeah. I, if, if I was a player in his situation, I'd have told the coach no. <laughs> like, um, it's not worth me getting my jersey sweaty. Like, yeah, it, losing. Yeah. It's, it's over. So, um, as I alluded to earlier, there was a foul in the... Uh, 86, almost, not, almost immediately past the, the celebration and restart of the previous goal uh, when uh, Portillo lined up on the uh, on the left side of the field and put in a cross shot, shot cross. Shross? A shross. Uh, a, 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 a Roland Vargas likes to say. Yeah, a crotch. Uh, a crotch. <laughs> um, you know, I... I, I uh, I watched I watched it a few times on on replay to try to figure out you know what exactly because I uh, in our little text circles there was some some criticism of Rawls on on the play and I thought you know it was just a, an incredible shot I thought it was a great shot it hit the upper ninety on on the on the far post um, he did seem a little flat footed and unprepared for a shot um, like when that started to, to turn into in midair, when that when when the ball changes mind, it says, you know what? I think I'm going to be a, a shot instead of a cross. Um, I think he was kind of left flat-footed, but man, all props to Portillo on that. If if I'm sure he's going to say definitely say that was that was a shot 100%. Um, but it, just like that, in the matter in the span of five minutes, the switchbacks went from being up one to down one, and. Um, How do we how do we find ourselves in these situations where I, it just I, seemed... I I was I was talking to some of the uh, switchback supporters on Twitter um, and uh, a number of the trailheads had noted that Rawls was fuming most of that game. Um, essentially, the our defense was not listening to him. Yeah. Um, was was the the impression that I got was that he was he was, you know, shouting, he was staying verbally active and people were just ignoring him. And he was he was livid by the time that free kick happened. Um, it seemed like he had even given up on trying to organize a wall or any sort of defense for that that set piece. Yeah. Um, and I think that that might have had an impact. I who knows. But 
Um, Which is the, the trailhead sitting right behind the goal said that he was getting real, real frustrated with with the defenders. Yeah, uh, and you know, for most goalkeepers, they spend most of their time yelling at their defense and telling them how awful they are. But that's just what goalkeepers do. But I kind of noticed that just from the television broadcast of this and the previous game. Um, where it seems like there's not a lot of instruction being followed. He's given the instructions. I mean, sometimes you can hear him over the commentators. Yeah. Um, and it, it's it's odd because we have, uh, since since Jack got injured um, in, in Guadabaye, is that it? Guadabaye. Guadabaye. Uh, since Guadabaye came in, we've essentially run with the same back four for uh, – several games um at least the last four that i can think um so it's not like there's a disconnect and you know we got new faces back there they've spent enough time working together uh that you would think that um they would be on the same page and um you know my 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 thought when i first was reading all that and you know my goalkeeper mind working and thinking you know what the hell is that was our defense kind of in the beginning of the season when they were first forming, uh, where they kind of lulled into place when the, by the stretch that we had uh, uh, Abe Rodriguez back there, who it wasn't until the final few games that he started and he really didn't seem to do much in, in organizing the defense and yelling and and all that. You know, the I made a comment at the time the difference between the 16-year-old keeper making his his you know, rookie season is that, and the difference between a veteran goalkeeper is that after a save, you know, the rookie goalkeeper is going to stand up and high five and, and with his, with his teammates and the veteran goalkeeper is going to scream at his defensive line for even allowing the shot to happen. So, um, I wonder if maybe there's just not some, there's some disconnect that's happened this season because Rawls hasn't been in there for a good month and a half. I mean, I think he missed six, seven weeks because of his injury. Um, yeah, you know, if there's if there's just, you know, there there if his voice is getting drowned out or what, but yeah, the, the trailheads are right. I mean, the, and for for those who, who who haven't been in base camp, um, base camp is literally five five feet away from the back line, and you hear everything that the goalkeeper says, and they hear everything you say, um, sometimes much to to the chagrin of uh, visiting. Uh, are uh, a lone down goalkeepers who don't take criticism from the fans very well. Clint Irwin. Um, so, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a little disconcerting that we're, we're this far into the season and our back line and our goalkeeper still aren't on the same page. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how they're not on the same page. As you said, they, it's been, it's been a pretty solid lineup for a while. Um, I, I, I really don't get it. I think that uh, unless there are some personal issues back there that we're not aware of uh, or behind the scenes issues that we're not aware of, I, it's, it's really, it's really mind boggling to me. Which, which, I mean, at this level, even if you're, even if you think your goalkeeper's an asshole, um, you, you don't just blow them off. I mean, we often talk about teams that have given up or, 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 you know, uh, conspiracy theory about the team not playing to win so they get so they don't have to do something or these are professionals you know i mean it it you're you may think your goalkeepers you know you may not like the guy the guys you're playing with but if 
if it makes you look if you're on a defense that gives up that gives up you know two goals in the last ten minutes it doesn't help your career at all. Um, Guadabaye, you know, he's down here on loan. He's obviously getting evaluated by the Rapids. He's being evaluated by other teams. He was just traded to the Rapids and sent down to us. You know, uh, Chris Reeves trying to make a name for himself. Ishjom, uh, you know, and um, you know uh, Yarrow. They're 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 all professionals and they're all tr- playing the best they can. If not for we need to win this game, but for pure if even worst case scenario they're playing for purely selfish reasons, and that's to to make a name for themselves to move up into hopefully higher uh, higher leagues and be, and uh, uh, you know uh, better teams and more exposure and, and advance their careers. So I, I I would hate to say I I don't know I have I haven't been out of practice I don't know if Al Rawls practices with the team on during the week. I know in the past, uh, a lot of the Rapids guys will, will only come down for either one practice and a game, or they only come down for the games. Um, seeing as he's one of our regular loanees, um, or one of our season-long loanees, um, I, I would believe that he'll probably practice, but I don't know, you know? It's, uh, it's, it's disappointing, to say the least, Um and going further in the season, I think what's what's also going to be a little bit disappointing is is a reminder that, you know, uh, Rawls is property of the Rapids with the right to recall, and the Rapids goalkeeping situation is is Tim Howard and, and Clint Irwin, and Tim Howard who has been prone to injury in the past, uh, and uh, as 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 doesn't entirely seem to be focused on the Rapids, I guess is the nice way of putting it. I mean, he's, he, uh, during, during the Rapids open cup game, uh, or during, during the open cup, uh, when the Rapids had an MLS game up in new England, I believe it was new England or DC, uh, Tim Howard was in the stands for Nashville's USL team for their open cup game. Um, and I know he's been criticized for, for, doing his national broadcast gigs on uh, TNT for, for or TNT or uh, uh, Bleacher Report, one of the, one of the two, but um, he's not, he, he's, he's, he's got one foot out the door already. So if Tim Howard gets injured, Clint Irwin goes in and Rawls goes, goes up to be the backup in, 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 in Denver and Commerce City. And uh, just like that, we're back with Rodriguez and uh, Stuart Sayus. So Which um, I, we haven't we haven't even seen Seus uh, this season. So I, I, I yeah, have no idea I, what his status is. Yeah, I, I've been kind of asking around, and and everyone's like, oh, he's you know he's he, he's fine. I haven't got any official injury. I know he was injured at the beginning of the season, and that led to the to Rodriguez getting playing time. But um, you know, Rodriguez is is our what has been our backup this whole time. He's traveling with the team. Um, I know Seus on his social media sometimes posts uh, post memes that are like you know about bad bosses and not liking your job or not being recognized at your job that are kind of passive aggressive. You know you don't <laughs> you don't you don't want to read too much into it, but you know when when a professional player posts posts the same you know my job sucks memes that you know people that people who work in cubicles post, it kind of makes you wonder what's going on if he's being overlooked or if he's you know, if he uh, if he's nursing an injury or what. So I, I don't know. But at some point in this season, mark my words, uh, Tre- or, uh, 
T- Tim Howard is going to miss time, and and Andre Rawls is going to go back up to the Rapids, and we're going to need Rodriguez and Seus, and uh, um, we're going to need that back line to protect, you know, protect Rodriguez and uh, and a potentially injured Seus, a rusty Seus. I, I don't I don't know. Um, but that ends up being our second loss in a row, and we're kind of back to where we were prior to beating Fresno, and that is uh, hanging right above uh, last place. Um, you know, we, we're eight points out of the last playoff spot, um, and, but there's still lots of games to be played. But it's at, I'm kind of wondering at this point if we're past the point of no return. You know what I mean? Um, what do you think? I I think that it is uh, we're we're not quite at the point of no return. We we can put together a couple of wins. I mean, you look at how tight the table is. It it really is still pretty pretty close. Um, I don't think we're quite at the point of uh, requiring other teams to fail in order for us to succeed. Um, but we're getting we're getting to that point. If we if we don't put together a couple wins, we're going to be back in that situation of even if we do start to win, we'll be like, well, we might get in the playoffs if you know Austin loses three in a row, or if Las Vegas loses two. You know, we're going to be sitting there watching the watching the table, watching other games to decide our fate. And I yeah. don't think I don't think anybody wants that. Yeah. Well, there's 34 games this season, and we are currently at. Uh, are going to play our our 17th game this weekend uh, at, at Austin Bold, and uh, that will be the halfway point of the season. So uh, it's 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 now or never. I feel. I mean, we we I yeah we could <laughs> we control our own destiny. If we win every game going out, we will make the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do think at a point we need to start think looking at the teams ahead of us. And saying, you know what, we are only, you know, we are we're five points out of that 11th position and eight points out of uh, behind OKC and Las Vegas Lights for that ninth and tenth uh, um, play-in playoff position. Uh, so, you know, it's it's entirely possible, uh, but it's 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 not feeling good. It's it's not feeling like we're we're trending in the right direction. Um, 538, uh, they do a lot of sports projections, a lot of political projections. Uh, I went that their their website is keeping track of of the probabilities of uh, the USL. Uh, they do it for for all the soccer leagues, but for the USL, I was just taking a look at them, and uh, they right now they have us at a three percent chance of making the playoffs, and they're projecting us finishing with 32 points, which. Uh, I feel that we've that whoever's going to get in that ninth and tenth position is going to have somewhere between 47 to 50 points to be able to make it. So, um, yeah, we're we're not in in a good position at all. Um, and you know, you look at the other teams that we've we've still yet got to play. Um, you know, our our four corner cup rivals Phoenix is coming to town here uh, by the end of the season. Uh, we're going to be traveling to Mexico in September. Phoenix is just insane balls to the wall i mean they've they've won seven straight games now um they've kind of taken the luster off of uh new mexico united um who uh have 
been on a, on an open cup tear themselves, uh, beating Dallas and the Rapids uh, to go into the final uh, the final eight to the quarterfinals. But um, in terms of the of the switchbacks and the outlook for the season, I mean, man, we got turned around. There, there's just it's it's now or never. If we don't make that that run where we string together three uh, three four game winning streak, uh, pull some ties out on the road, um, we might as well start waiting for 2020. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really frustrating to think that where where we're at, we could we could be in and amongst those those you know 10th 9th 11th spots um with just three wins with just three if we had if we had won three of the games that we've lost or drawn we'd be up back in that conversation yeah um and that's why it feels like it's not it's not as far off um but watching the performance of the team and knowing how uh polarizing we, we can be we can we can have these two straight wins and you know everybody's in a good mood and then immediately go out and get our get our butts kicked and, and yeah well and and to 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 be the to be captain bring down um, <laughs> we do have 10 losses um, we us and Tacoma are the only teams in the Western Conference that have double digit losses. Um, there's only one team in the Eastern Conference that has double-digit losses, Hartford Athletic, who are a bad team, um, and and they have as many losses as we do. Um, you know, our negative 11 goal differential is, uh, you know, the the, aside, the the LA Galaxy, which is ahead of us, has 11 goal differential. I mean, we're not Tacoma, which has a negative 30 goal differential, which holy crap, I don't know how you accomplish that on purpose. <laughs> um, but even with their negative 30 goal differential, they're only a game and a half behind us. Um, they're, four, they're, they're four points behind us for the last place. So um, we, we are not, we are, are not a good team. And a lot, and I, I would say it's not because we're, we're, we're not winning enough games. Um, honestly, I think a lot of those losses that we could have pulled a tie out of, you know, could make the difference. You look at, uh, you know, OKC Energy is sitting at five wins. Uh, the teams in front of us are all, at, you know, four wins as well. The difference is that they've managed to get seven ties. And, uh, you know, we've only got two ties. I think we have the least amount of ties, uh, with the exception of Sacramento, uh, the least amount of ties in the Western Conference. And the, it's it, that's a matter of just those games where, you know, we're down a goal. Um, being able to pull it out, we have the capability of doing it. We've seen it at, you know, at Phoenix, you know, the best team in the league, which was just starting to begin their 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 uh, impress, impressive uh, form. Um, we have the ability to pull one out late um, when we want to, um, but we also have the ability, like we did in in Portland, uh, another you know the number two team in the league or in the conference to uh, give up points. So I, I don't know. I, I, I don't think, I don't think unless there's a major change and it's possible, you know, one of the big, big stories out of switch, switch back land, switch back countries, switch back Landia has been uh, the signing of Tucker bone and uh, Dewey uh, from the air force Academy. Uh, Tucker bone came in and played in, in, uh, 
he came in in the 60th minute, I believe, in the uh, Rio Grande game and had a had had a, a fire to him that I haven't seen since uh, since Luke Vercolone, um, where he would come in and just be a kind of buzzsaw of energy to bring ev- everyone else up. Um, he he wasn't at this at this game because I believe he had had a a. a, a um, a, uh, pre-existing commitment he had made prior to signing, but um, you know I would expect that he st- will be traveling to Austin, and I would hope that he would be uh, on the bench if not in the starting lineup because I think him and Dewey have tremendous potential uh, to, to to bring this team up. I think um, I'm looking forward to seeing what what you know what they do. You know Tucker Bowen was the 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 number one pick of of the Seattle Sounders. Um, you know, there's some complications with his uh, eligibility due to his commitment to Air Force. But, you know, we've signed him. He's He's been around. Dewey is a local guy. I mean, he went to, he's grown up in the Springs. I mean, these are the two exciting players that not only can ex- make a difference on, on the field, but off the field as well. One of the, the other thing that kind of concerns me is that, you know, during our, our during that that long losing streak we had, Fans were agitated. People were online complaining, calling for Trichu's head, uh, being very angry, very vocal, very passionate about it. These past two losses, I haven't seen that much passion about it. It's been like a, we lost. Yep, that happened. And and that, that's concerning to me as well because I think the community energy around this team has kind of been squandered. Um, this season, and I think there may have been a tipping point where the passion for winning has just turned into a, yeah, I hope they win this week, yay, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that something something's missing. Uh, to 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 quote uh, Tom Cruise in in Top Gun, um, she's lost that love and feeling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's that. going on. Um, um, you know, yeah, I'm. That... I mean, obviously, USL attendance numbers take them with a grain of salt. Um, <laughs> they said that take we with a handful of salt. Yeah, a handful. Just with the whole carton of salt. Um, but they said the attendance was 4,500 for this past game against uh, the Real Monarchs. And um, I, I don't know. I, I, that has to be tickets distributed, not people who showed up. Because, um, you know, there I saw – I forget who it was, but I saw someone posted on Twitter that they had the entire aisle to themselves. And, yeah. And I, I – that's concerning, not just you know, not just because it looks bad, but you know, obviously, if people aren't showing up, there's no passion. That's no money for the team, no money for the team, and we end up having to do stupid stuff like like only have taking you know uh, 16 with us on the road instead of instead of 18. Um, you know the the let's see here against Tacoma, they said the attendance was a thousand less. At 3,500, which seems even weirder to me because that game seemed to have lots of people there. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I I think that uh, I think that there's definitely a, a discrepancy between <laughs> uh, 
between the the actual live numbers and the stated numbers. I think that realistically, the the RGV game they were probably closer to their stated numbers than we have ever been. Yeah. Um, I I'm blown away that anybody could ever report a, a single game at Widener as having 4,500 people there, and that's a number that I saw this season. That I it's just it's just straight up a lie. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't. I don't think that does anything to to help the situation. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I, I, you and I, you know, who, who watch this sort of thing and pay attention to it, we, we watch the attendance numbers cause, uh, it, it's kind of a sign of, of what's going on, but, um, people across the league, it's when you turn on the television and the glare from the sun reflecting off the bleachers is distracting, uh, the empty bleachers, that's concerning. Um, I think it's a, that, that's a problem that a lot of teams are having is, you know, the, the, the optics of it. You know, the RGV game, you know, RGV reports large numbers, but when you turn on the game and all you see is orange seats, um, you get the feeling that no one is interested in it. And um, especially here in town when the switchbacks really need to hustle for every ticket to be sold. Because uh, you've got a town that traditionally is not really a sports town. Um, you know, Air Force doesn't sell out. Um, you know, the closest I think you can come to any sort of consistent sellouts is probably uh, CC Hockey, <laughs> uh, to be honest. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, even even the uh, uh, the former baseball team, the Sky Sox, and the minor league, you know, they, they did not they, – they, they didn't sell a lot. Um they were consistently in the 4,000 numbers. Uh, so it, it's, it gets concern, it concerns me because I know part of the, the quote unquote, the vision of the team that I've, I've heard said a lot by the front office uh, is dependent upon facilities. And, and uh, when I talked to Brian Crookham, the general manager, he kind of hinted on that. He, he told, we talked a little bit about that is that, you know, this team has a plan in place for you know once they get the proper facilities in place that'll free up uh you know funds that'll make it easier to sign you know to 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 run the team and and make it competitive but i mean that's what they told us when they signed with when when they agreed with the rapids is that this will free up money to make us more competitive and uh we made us less competitive we we haven't seen that (laughs) yeah i mean when 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 we have you know when, when the the when 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 they when they sold us on um, when they sold us on this it was this will help our depth and when the number one issue we had this season is lack of depth um, you know I mean, injuries happen yeah but come on you know and I, what I worry about is that there's a lot it seems like the the front office has put all their chips in on the stadium coming and that's when the real that's to them that's when the real things really starts and this season they have kind they 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 do not they've put winning as as a non-priority um i wouldn't i wouldn't say they're at the point of de-incentivize winning just yet but they definitely haven't um 
made it a priority. And it's concerning that not only that, but when we talk about the future of the franchise, things aren't mentioned like winning a championship, winning the conference. Um, you know, the, these are you know aspirational goals that I think every franchise should have. Or every sports every sports entity should have the the aspirational goal of becoming champion, um, even when it's unattainable right now. It should be we're rebuilding. The goal is once we get to the stadium, we'll have the funds in place, we'll have the infrastructure to finally be in a position where we can challenge for the championship and bring a championship home. To That's what they should be saying, and they're not. They're saying this will make us viable for the future so we can be competitive for playoff spots and playoff spots don't sell tickets. <laughs> no, no. You know? Silverware, silverware, uh, sells tickets, goals, sell tickets, wins, sell tickets. Um, full, being, full, <laughs> being full, at bottom of the ta- table does not sell tickets. Full stadiums sell more tickets. Yeah. I and mean, let's be honest. You're going to get people interested in it. If they're watching replays of it and, they see a packed stadium. That's what's that's what's going to attract people because locally, the only way that you're ever going to see anything relating to the switchbacks is on local news. If you still watch, if anyone watches that, I tried watching the morning news the other day here in town. Oh my god, <laughs> it was so awful. I can't even put into words how awful it is. Um, Pretty awful. But clearly. Not it. It's not the ideal switchbacks, uh, switchback fan um, demographic. But if you know on on the ten o'clock, you know uh, at the ten twenty five sports report, if they, if they show a clip of the switchbacks game and the clip happens to be a scoring three or four goals with fans screaming, smoke being lit because we're scoring goals, fan, uh, flags being waved packed stadium that's going to make people go oh wow we've got a soccer team that 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 looks like there's something going on there and we don't um and that's frustrating i mean it's i i honestly i don't know what the what what the the intermediate fix is for this the the thing that that jumps to my mind um and this would be an absolute nightmare with season tickets and stuff like that is to basically only sell the East side until we can, until we can get enough people in to actually start filling the West side as well. Only fill the side of the stadium. That's going to be on camera. Yeah. It's, it seems cheesy, but, um, I mean, I, my wife and I, before we moved out here, we went to a Minnesota twins game at target field in Minneapolis. Uh, we had we had one dollar tickets that we got from work for through United Way. We're sitting way the heck out in the middle of nowhere, uh, about as far away from the action as you could be. And we had sat in our seats for maybe five minutes before a steward came up and said, "Hey, would you guys like an upgrade?" And we're like, "Sure. Where, where do you where are you going to put us?" And they moved us to the first baseline, uh, you know, 14 rows up because they wanted to fill. Yeah. The part of the stadium that was going to be on camera the most. Yeah. They literally upgraded us from $1 tickets to like $100 tickets just to try to get more people in the, the camera shots for national TV. Yeah. If, if an organization that's won two World Series 
uh, <laughs> has to has to do that. Maybe maybe that's something that a USL championship club in a small market might want to think about doing to improve the image of the club to start to draw more interest to it. Well, I, I, it's funny because I was going to mention the the emphasizing the east side and moving people over the east side so the camera views are, are, are look more packed. But I know it's, it's completely undoable. Um, there there really is no way to do that in the middle of the season. No, uh, no, um, you'd have to. It would have to be something that you set at the beginning of the season. You can't yeah. move people who have paid for season tickets on the west side. It's just not possible. But you know what you can do is you can, and I think this. If, if we have to play at at, at well, the net new stadium is going to be Widener Field as well. But Sand Creek Stadium, if we have to play at the existing stadium next year, um, which we we might have to. I would my if I was in charge of tickets if if I if my last name was Reagan and I had to find a way to improve the situation, I would make the entire East Side general admission, and I would Absolutely. I would put it down to fifteen bucks and people who want to want assigned seating can sit on the West Side, and basically make you know the East Side bleachers the cheap tickets. You know, obviously you want to get, you know, the trailheads and, you know, the um, have sections off, off for the trailheads and for the bruisers. But I think one problem is when they they went away from general admission seating because that I, that that was a huge mistake, in my opinion. I agree. And that was that was something that uh, through my experience with uh, with um, working in the ticket office for Minnesota United when they were in the NASL. Um they, they're, they're the side of their stadium that was on camera. Um, that was that there was the supporters section, which was massive, and then the bleachers next to them. It was all uh, GA, if I recall, until, you know, I think the season before they made MLS when interest had skyrocketed and they had to start selling season tickets over there. Yeah. Um, it, it, their general admission, and I honestly, I even. If you want to make the stadium look even halfway uh, full, you're going to have to drop below 15 bucks. I, yeah. I see these advertisements popping up, like see uh, see professional athletes pay for play for only $12. Uh, that should probably be the game day price on the east side until such a time as we actually fill the stadium and drive interest in the sport because it. Like whatever whatever financial reasoning they have for not uh, having ticket prices that cheap, you're losing more money by preventing people from going than you would be losing from reducing the price. You'd probably make more money off of cheaper tickets because people will actually go. Yeah. Well, uh, not in only the meantime. Yeah, not only go, but buy the four dollar beer, buy the four dollar hot dogs. You know, I mean, there's ways yeah. to make make up for that. But but in the end, you know, it's it's it's. I'm 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 reminded of old. Uh, I'm a fan of wrestling. I love wrestling. I love the hi- history of wrestling. And back in the back in the day, in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, wrestling basically gave away their tickets, paid for TV time to draw interest. They basically used the the live events as a commercial for their product. And I think that with, with Obviously, the switchbacks have now have, have put lots of emphasis into partnerships and corporate sponsoring and all that. 
and that's cool. You know, I mean, that's where you're, you if that's what you're going to make your money on. But you almost got to come to a point where it's like we need to pack the camera side of the stadium just as advertising, just so when when you know uh, when there's highlights on the local news. If for whatever reason, you know, we end up making a great play and it making this the ESPN Sports Center top ten, which the USL frequently does have two or three plays on the top ten, people see Colorado Springs going nuts, even if it's only the two thousand people on the on the on the opposite side of the camera. Um, you know, wrestling again. Use the wrestling analogy. That's what they do now. If, if they're going to a place where there's not going to be a lot of attendance, they curtain off the cam, the, the hard camera side. Um, you know, and they force everyone together to make it look like it's full. And I think I think in, in a new stadium, you're probably going to have to do this too, because uh, you'll you'll have to do it even more so because the capacity is going to be higher. The capacity is going to look even worse when it's empty. Yeah, if if they go with a uniform colored seating, that's going to be the primary draw. If they if they're I don't think they're going to spend the money to have the the uh, multicolored seats like like I, I believe like like uh, New Orleans Dome has them or some of the newer yeah. stadiums yeah. do. So where you know even if it's empty since they're different colored it doesn't look that empty, but. I guarantee you, tick for for ev- the, the the for what everyone complains about ticket prices now, I think it's going to go up next year. And we're going to find out soon because we're getting at the time of year when they're going to announce season ticket prices for next year, and with interest waning as it is, with the switchbacks doing as bad as they are on a losing streak, on not only just doing bad but being boring while they're being bad, if the front office comes out and they say, hey, season tickets for the new stadium are going to be, and if it's like a 10, 15% increase over what it is now, um, people are going to be pissed and they're going to turn away from the product. You know, we saw it from going from the second season to the third season when ticket prices uh, went up 50% for some, 50% for some people. Um, and people stopped coming to the game. There was a huge drop in interest from 2016 to 2017. Um, and if we had that again, it's going to take a lot to get this team to uh, start selling out a stadium, especially selling out a bid stadium. Because you can put that number on, you know, you can put that high attendance number on, you know, report it to the to the USL, put it on on the site, but People's eyes don't lie, and if if there was 4,500 people there this weekend, then I weigh 175 pounds, and um, uh, I'm six foot three, and I make a million dollars a year. <laughs> hey, hey, I mean, it seems believable to me. Yeah. Um, which spoiler, I am none of those. So. <laughs> Um, God, it's kind of, I, I was hoping to do something fun, you know, like do something, uh, so it wouldn't be so down. Cause I knew, I knew we were, there was going to be a little bit of, uh, about this. I, 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 I was hoping to do something a little bit upbeat. Um, I don't know. I, I, I got something upbeat for you. Sure. The out, the outro. <laughs> the outro. Uh, um, yeah. 
you know, got we. I feel like I feel like since you know we've got to mention this, uh, there's a lot of soccer going on in the world right now. Um, you've got the the women's World Cup happening, um, and you got the Gold Cup happening, um, VAR um, happening. Do you got any quick thoughts about your uh, about VAR you want to throw out there? I. I don't know. I don't know that we have enough time for that conversation. <laughs> I VAR is it, it's a polarizing subject. I can see uh, very clear situations where um, where I'd love to have it. Um, red card situations, penalties, stuff like that. Um, but there is also a sense of soccer has always been a game played without interruption. You know, there, there's no timeouts. There's no, like every, the clock is always moving. Yeah. Um, and I feel like we're getting towards a point of, if we, if we get towards like NFL levels of just stopping play and reviewing every call, the sport's not going to be fun to watch anymore. Yeah. It's just not. Yeah. Um, it already is considered to be a slow sport to many people um, who maybe don't uh, have, have an appreciation for the tactics and the buildup and all that. Um, but if you chop it up even more, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to kill the sport for a lot of people. Uh, I, I think there need to be some limitations placed on what VAR can and can't interfere with. Yeah. Um, I- and certainly no... Uh, like coaches challenges and timeouts and crap like that. I, yeah. I'd I, lose my mind. I, I think what, what's frustrating to me is that I, I, I like the idea of VAR. Like I like, I like how they said they were going to implement it. I think the problem is that they're using it to reofficiate the, the game. I think to me, it seems like you could easily like, like if, if I'm watching television and I watch two replays of it, just on television, and I'm like, ooh, that's sketchy, that would be enough to be like, okay, we're taking a look at it and send the referee over. There shouldn't be a need to watch – there shouldn't be two, three-minute delays to do this. If they're doing that, they're reofficiating it. You think about the time it takes from when a goal is scored until the until the celebrations have concluded and the ball is back on the, on the spot to, to replay. There's a good 45 seconds to a minute in that. There's more than enough time for goal is scored, replay, replay. Oh crap, that didn't look right. Take a look at it, ref. Ref can run, look at it. There should be a time limit. Um, one of the referees for the women's World Cup I saw basically was like, she she aggressively shrugged off. No, not reviewing it because it didn't want to waste time on it. And I think that should be the default setting is that unless something is clear and obvious and egregious. They should let it go. The 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 oh well, their right wrist was in front of the last defender. We got to review that for 15 minutes to see whether or not that's offsides. Just go with the flow, you know. I mean, there's it all evens out in the end, and uh, it's really just taken away from everything. Uh, you know, the the penalty kicks, goalkeepers are having to to readjust how they take how they, they defend against penalty kicks because of this. You know, every yeah. every keeper is taught from an early age on a penalty kick that, you know, you typically take that for you, you, you move you have your momentum going forward 
right when they plant their foot to kick the ball. And um, you can't do that now. And I've seen some of the some of the, the women keepers have have taken to taking a step back and then taking that step forward while they're still on the line, so they're not caught. But it's it's just ridiculous. It's it's I, I heard like in eight games there was 17 reviews, and it's like either you're reviewing it too much, or your referees are not good enough to be making correct calls on the field, and you need to upgrade your refs. So, I mean, I think we've needed a ref upgrade for a long time, but that's and, and maybe the, you know, <laughs> and maybe this is the experiment to really call that out. Um, so, um, the 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 fun thing I was going to do, <laughs> and now that I look at it, I'm like, this doesn't sound fun at all. But it seemed fun in my mind was we were gonna this, the the five stages of grief. I think we're in that right now with the switchbacks, and kind of going over that again. I'm, I mean. The first stage of grief is denial. And I think we were kind of with that, like doing the, hey, we're, we're a better team than this. Right? I mean, didn't we kind of go through yeah. that at the beginning of the season? You know, yep. this, we're, we're, we're better than this. You know, we're, we're, we're pretty good. You know, we're, it just wanted to think. The second stage, um, anger, which I think we're definitely. <laughs> We've definitely gone through that. Yeah. We're, you know, what the hell, fire Trichu. Burn down the stage <laughs> pitchfork. Um, the third stage is bargaining. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's a we'll show. I, I know for the trailheads, you know, the fine. We'll do your dollar beer thing. If you'll destroy our tailgates, we'll do the dollar beer thing. If you give us a couple things to help tear down the. You know, for the trailheads, there's a bargaining going on. Like, yeah, okay, this whole situation sucks, but maybe we can just make it a little bit better. Um, you know, hey, you know, we lost Jamal Jack, but we got Gu- Gu- Guadabaye and, uh, um, you know, we got Tucker Bone and, and, and we're going to make this happening. And then the fourth stage is depression, which I think I'm just starting at <laughs> with like, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> is it is it bad that I go through like the first the first four within the first two games of the season and then spend the rest of the season in the, in the depression stage. I'm thinking I go through these stages every game, every, every game, you know, I go, it starts when the lineup is announced. I'm in denial when the lineup comes out. I'm, I'm mad for the first 20 minutes of the game. You know, the, the bargaining, the, okay, you know, just get a goal before the first end of the, end of the half. The depression, halftime, when, when, you know, we haven't done anything. And then finally, acceptance, where we just kind of accept this. Is, we are a bad team. We are, we, are, we are a bad team, and we're going to lose this game, and we are not going to get points, and we're not going to make the playoffs, and we are what we are. Are you there yet? We, we, we are what we are. We are. I, we are what we we are. I. Are you ready I, to accept it? I. I don't know if I can ever accept it. I I have to believe that there's always room for change. I have to believe that. That something can, some miracle can happen, and someone will, you know, someone in the front office will have an epiphany and wake up and see that things aren't being run and in the way that creates the best environment. So you're, you're, and that will cascade and the team will suddenly be good. 
you're still in the denial stage then, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, I live my life in a state of denial. (laughs) So, uh, if you happen to be listening to this, comment on Twitter or Facebook. What stage of uh, grief are you in about the switchbacks this season? Um, And I think that's about it for us. I I think so. I think think that's a good... A good right. uh, jumping off point. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves. They do the scarves for the MLS, USL, uh, US Soccer. Uh, get your scarves at roughneckscarves.com. Also, the Golden Gold Press. Um, get them at goldengoldpress.com. All sorts of cool stuff there. Um, yeah. Acceptance, man. Just let it happen. This is happening. <laughs> Just, just let it, just let it happen. Enjoy the ride. It's inevitable. And with that note, I'm Jason. I'm Paul. And we'll see you sometimes in the future. Who knows? Go switchbacks. Go switchbacks. <laughs>